For more than 25 years, Deanna Batdorf has been disrupting the status quo of health. She is a passionate Ayurvedic practitioner, my body educator, and lymphatic specialist whose mission is to empower you to take control of your own wellness. Welcome to My Body with Deanna Batdorf, an Ask Me Anything podcast where Deanna gives you answers to your most pressing health and wellness questions. Along the way, Deanna will interview those who inspire her work as a holistic wellness practitioner, from birth workers to herbalists, yogis to MDs. You'll learn how to bring your body to a state of balance in this wild dance of life. Submit your questions on our website, dianaessentials.com. Look for the form at the bottom of the front page. No question is TMI for Deanna to answer. Welcome to Ask Deanna Anything. Who's Deanna, you may ask? She is an amazing Northern California Ayurvedic practitioner and somebody who has been working with the public to educate them about self-care and empowering them to take control of their own health for 30 plus years. My name's Andrea and I will be facilitating this meeting today. We're here to let you ask any question you have, particularly about a topic that we're delving into this month that is men's health, specifically around the prostate and reproductive system. We are happy to receive your questions as you have them. Uh, So going to leave it over to Deanna. How are you doing today, Deanna? I'm doing really, really well. I'm excited that we got through October here in Sonoma County without any major fires. And now our beautiful wet environment is safe. And I'm just hoping for more water flow so we can just really rebuild our reserves just like we do in our body. But yeah, I'm doing great. I'm enjoying this month of men's health. I really enjoyed doing all my write-ups and looking at my symptoms for men according to the elements and just giving some information about the prostate. We know so little about the prostate as a society that often people come and they say, what about prostate health? (laughs) And I'm always kind of like, well, prostration is a really nice thing and it's a great meditation. It's like, that's how little we actually know. It reminds me of my 34 years ago lymphatic massage and just how many years it has taken for people in our society to even know what the lymphatic system is. And so I feel a similar way about the prostate and just, you know, we need a little bit more education. And one of the reasons we need more education is because True fact, 95% of men get prostate cancer at some time in their life. This is straight from a doctor, an oncologist who specifically does prostate care with cancer. And I was really shocked by that. I was like, what? Only 5% of men don't get prostate cancer? I said, is it for real? And he goes, yeah. And that was pretty shocking. And so it's just kind of like, you're a sitting duck. 
Interesting, I say sitting duck because, you know, that's a big part of the prostate is the amount of sitting that happens and you're sitting on your prostate. And I just, I found that very fascinating in its own right. I was there with my father who got prostate cancer himself two years ago and is completely in remission and fabulous. But I thought it was interesting that the doctor then added, you know, hey, your dad, his dad, my dad, I'm probably next as a man. And I was like, whoa, I was just very shocked by that kind of simple, you know, like, well, I'm next. I haven't gotten it yet. So I'm next. And so that tells us that we have a lot of prevention that needs to be known about. And we have education that is going to help us really, what does the prostate do? And what can you do to keep your prostate healthy instead of just being a sitting duck waiting for your turn for prostate cancer? And that's just not okay. To me, that's not okay. That means we just, we don't know enough. And I think that it's a very taboo subject thinking about how do you even get to the prostate? And that is through the anus. And then there's all things around that too. And I just want to remember these are all just body parts. So this isn't about uh, sexuality. It's not about anything other than We have all these orifices and we are allowed to take care of them. (laughs) So these are things that we just don't talk about enough. These things we think is taboo or they have become like sexually oriented instead of being like, we have these orifices and we're allowed to clean them and we're allowed to go in them (laughs) and care for them. And that's our eyes and our mouth and our ears and our nose and the head of the penis and the vagina and the anus, which is how we get to the prostate. So that's my kind of like, why are we avoiding this conversation? Because it's in an intimate space that we've made unfortunately taboo in our world. So no shame. And that's where we wanna start. Just like we talked about chest and breasts last uh, month, or even when we talk about lymphatic, it's in very intimate places. And so that's why I think these have been lost in time, these conversations and making these be normal and natural. So I'm going to start with the most interesting thing that I could teach everybody about the prostate. Not only should we know that it is a gland and it sits right behind inside the anus is how we access the prostate, but it sits right behind the scrotum and the testes that are to the front. So it just sits right behind there. And that's an important thing to know. And actually in many cultures and in many ways, they would milk the prostate. And that is the primary way that we keep the prostate, this gland swells up. And that's what we call inflammation or enlarged prostate, which is usually the earliest thing that a doc will say is like, it's enlarged, let's watch it. It's inflamed, let's watch it. Prostitis, inflammation, itis words are all inflammatory words, just so we know that. We really are going in there and milking it. And so that is a true, honest thing. And if we could get a little more comfortable with this concept, you would be draining that gland. And it's your right to go in and drain that gland and just palpate it. It's just a simple massaging it. It actually feels good. There's nothing wrong with that either. Pleasure is is a fabulous thing. 
and you just wait until it starts oozing a little bit of liquid and fluid and you let it keep releasing its fluid and it's about the size of a walnut in a healthy size. This is the way that men have been keeping the pressure off their prostate and from swelling for centuries. And you can look this up even online and you'll find plenty things around it. There is going to be some pleasure relation around it. And it is something that is used in play and pleasure. There's going to be different views on why one would be doing this, but it is a really, really great tool. And it's a tool that I can tell a lot of my male clients and they have been able to say, wow, that really worked. I feel less pressure when I'm sitting down. I have my urine flow back, you know, all these things really, I've had great results, but I've also had this thing where it's like, there's just a whole lot of people that I don't feel like I can quite tell them like, Hey, you should milk your prostate, (laughs) you know, like my dad, I'm not going to go trying to get someone old school (laughs) to do something that they're going to think is kind of crazy. And so this is again, why do we have so much prostate cancer in our society? Well, there's things I'm not even discussing with somebody I love very much who I know that would be a healthy choice. So I am calling for all humans with prostates. I am calling for you to really see if you can make this a health value in your life and to make it preventive. And that would be just simply going in, massaging the prostate, waiting till it starts to ooze milk and letting it release and then you're done. It's that simple. And wow, what if we could lower these 95% rate just by massage, which is true with many things, including immunity in the lymph system, you know, how much can change with touch and massage. So I started with the kind of biggest information, but I'm doing that because I just think we need to get real here and we need to have conversations about what are your rights to your health. And there really shouldn't be a place where we can't just help ourselves uh, no matter where it is. The other thing is I mentioned urine, right? So urine flow is the number one way that I talk to men about whether their prostate is inflamed or not. And that would be your number one. So having frequent urination is more of a dehydration issue where your water's just running by your cells. You're not absorbing or assimilating the water well. And the kidneys are like, what am I supposed to do with all this water? And it dumps it to the bladder and we have to pee it out. So frequent urination is different than urine flow, either obstruction or urine flow that is intermittent or doesn't have a natural full flow to it. So for men who have any urine dribbling at night, very important that usually that means that there's pressure because that prostate is not only in the anus and behind the scrotum, but we have to remember that we call men's reproductive systems, we call it the genitourinary system. So this is the name of the male reproductive. And that means right there, urinary is a big part of the male makeup and their anatomy. 
So when that prostate swells or gets inflamed, because it could become edema, kind of watery and swell, or it could be really inflamed and there's usually pain associated with inflammation. When that swells, there's only so much space in there and it puts pressure on the urethra and it changes the urine flow. So frequent urination kind of has hydration is a big part of keeping this all nice and cooled down and nourished and flowing, but it's more going to be like dribbling and there's not like a connection or awareness to it, or you're urinating and it's kind of like air, you know, and it, and it's kind of, and then it stops and you're like, why is it stopping? I need to pee. And then all of a sudden it's, you start peeing again. So any kind of break in the flow or dribbling that you're not noticing. And then the other thing is just noticing if there is a lot of more odor. When you have an inflamed prostate, there's going to be more odor in the urine. And we also have more odor in the urine when we are dehydrated, you know? So that's going to be another picture here too. But I think that's probably the number one thing is men saying like, I can't hold my urine anymore. I need to really think about where the bathroom is no matter where I go. Or I'm dribbling before I can really get to the bathroom because I'm tired and I'm urinating before I can even register like I got to get to the bathroom. And so these are the things we look for as early stage prostate care. And, you know, a lot of men just don't talk about it. It's really interesting. I'm pretty open book with my male clients. I'm like, let's make sure your prostate's okay. I can check on your pulse. We can look at like, how much do you sit and how much pain do you have in your hips? A lot of men get sciatic nerve and get hip pain because that inflammation radiates out to the hips or they'll have herniations that happen in their growing. And when the growing gets that herniation, which is like a blown out muscle, that's also from inflammation. And these are the things I start asking about, you know, do you have any herniations in your pelvic floor in your growing area? Do you have hip pain and how's your urination flow? And do you even get your prostate checked? And these are things that I notice men are like, wow, I'm really thankful you're asking me because I don't know who to talk to. And I'm like, well, what about your doctor? And they're like, eh, they just tell me once I'm past 40 to 50, you know, somewhere in there, get it checked on the yearly, but there's nothing else being offered. I just think we need to get comfortable with the conversation. If you're a practitioner out there, I want you to get a little more comfortable with the word prostate. I want you to look that gland up. I don't know if I've said it on Ask Deanna anything, but I love the app called Visible Body. It is so brilliant and it, it's just, wow. You can like move muscles and bones in every direction and you can learn anatomy and you can go into the physiology and it's used in even medical schools. So it's pretty wow. But if you want to, you know, just why not Google prostate and what does it look like and where is it in the body? And that's just a really good place to start because a lot of people don't. And I show them pictures and they're like, whoa, oh, that's what it looks like. That thing's little. I'm like, yep. So familiarity is part of our prevention and health. What else would I say about this lovely conversation that just really does not get discussed enough? 
Deanna Essentials products are organic, small batch, high quality self-care body products, as well as herbs and spices that deliver powerful food as medicine. Find them on DeannaEssentials.com today. Are there other anti-inflammatory herbs or tonics that are specific to male bodies? And is there a hormone link on this too? So um, many, yes, many of these things, like what I would connect it to is your liver manufactures from protein, your liver manufactures testosterone, and it also manufactures a hormone called cholesterol which we always think is a fat, but it's a hormone. And if there is a cholesterol and testosterone imbalance, then the way the gland has to work, it becomes like a more of a survival mode, a lot like your adrenals. So the prostate isn't really doing as much of the manufacturing of those hormones as much as it's storing those hormones and it's regulating the genital urinary tract. So really liver health is going to be the primary thing and watching meat intake. So, you know, eating meat every couple of days, if you're a meat eater, you might want to like, huh, maybe no more than once a day. Or like when we look at a meal, especially, you know, in, in Ayurveda, we look at our hands, the two Anjali's, right? Which I'm teaching right now in edible Ayurveda. Brilliant. Meat is never bigger than the size of our palm, the palm, and it's a third to two thirds veggies. So overeating meat in a meal, not eating enough vegetables with meat, or just eating meat like two, three times a day can be very hard on the liver. And it can definitely make your cholesterol stunted, which makes it high and sitting. So cholesterol, we don't want it to sit in the liver. That's how we get high cholesterol. Cholesterol is a like delivery hormone. It's kind of like, hey, you need a little juice over there, muscle, and I'm gonna send you a little bit of these hormones down there, genital urinary tract. And it's a delivery system. So we don't want that cholesterol to just sit there. And it does that when things get too oily. So I like to tell men to consider clean protein, clean fuel clean proteins, like eating more legumes, lentils, really making sure seaweed is a larger part of your meals, or even going on seaweed, you know, capsules is another thing that I'll put people along. Kelp capsules, two in the morning, two at night. Brilliant anti-inflammatory, multivitamin, and a complete protein all in one. So I think that's just a really important piece is bringing liver into this and how many digestible fats can you eat, which are omega oils, and how less saturated fat or less fatty meats will be really good for the liver. And then that's good for the prostate. If I'm going to give you some examples of like, I love essential oils for the prostate. They're simple, they're transdermal. So you can just like put it right on your tailbone and it's just gonna go right in through the tissue and into your bloodstream, but you're gonna be very close to where the prostate is, but it's easy medicine. And really I'd say my number one is Roman chamomile. 
and blue cypress is another one that I really love. And the other one is rose geranium. I could have said lavender and frankincense, but I say them so much. <laughs> I'm like, I need to diversify a little bit. But if that's what you have in your bathroom cupboard or wherever you keep your oils, you could get started. But this is a group of anti-inflammatories and I love them. If you have swelling, so if you're being told that you have a little bit of edema and often when people have swelling of their prostate and there's water trapped in there, it'll also make swelling in the scrotum or one of the testicles will swell. And this is another thing that men don't always want to like, I have one of my testicles is larger than the other and it didn't used to be. And what do I do for that? And they don't know who to ask. They don't know where to go. That's when I use cypress. So I will do six drops of cypress and six drops of rose geranium together. And again, just topically transdermal right on the tailbone. And you could do a little bit of inner thigh if it's connected to the scrotum or the testes. And that is an incredible anti-inflammatory, but the cypress is a little bit more for that water edema for swelling. And then I would pair them together. But I've been using cypress and rose geranium together for all kinds of male and female reproductive issues for years. And uh, so they're a great combo together and they're regulators for the glands. So you're getting a whole endocrine gland regulating. And prostate happens to be one of the glands that only men have. So I would go for rose geranium. I would go with blue cypress. And I would think about regular cypress if you have edema. Rose geranium could be a long-termer. So that's why I want to mention rose geranium. I mean, long-term in the way of you could take four drops before you go to bed every single night and you are just in this, I'm going to do preventive care and not just wait until I'm another person with prostate cancer. I'm going to prevent this. And that would just be this beautiful, endocrine, genitourinary related anti-inflammatory that you can use very long-term and just make sure that you're in the prevention let me think about what else. We talked about clean proteins, less saturated fat, liver health. And then we've also talked about a few of the essential oils. Do you have any stories of folks you've worked with, success stories around prostate health? Well, I have a very dear, very, very dear elder who has been, I call him my sacred elder. I always have an elder in my life who's sacred to me. And uh, he got prostate cancer and he was somebody who decided he's very off the grid. And he was also in a boundary of like, I don't want to use the word cancer around this. Let's just keep talking about my inflammation and let's get rid of it. And he's somebody who will do anything it takes. So he's got a lot of discipline, but he is into natural all the way. And he taught me a lot because he kind of just really went into this, like, I can take this diagnosis and I can change this diagnosis and I'm not going to identify myself with this C word. And I am, I'm going to take care of this and I'm going to get rid of it. And so I kept tracking his pulse and we kept tracking his urine. We kept tracking the amount of inflammation when he was sitting, he was having back pain. 
we just started tracking it and seeing that there was improvement. We kept adding in and layering in different anti-inflammatories. He was milking his prostate once a week to get the inflammation down and the inflammation left on his pulse. And he was like, I feel so good. I feel like it's that inflammation is gone. And I said, well, now's the time to go and get it tested and let's put it to the test. Let's get a lab result and see if it really is. And uh, sure enough, he got labs and he handled it just with good, healthy, natural care and just giving it a little more time. And it was really beautiful to just, I learned so much from him in the way of like how not to identify too much, but still be completely accountable and responsible for like something needs to change and I'm going to make this change for myself. So he wasn't avoiding he just didn't want to identify too deeply with that relation so that it wasn't then something that was becoming him more than something he was getting rid of. And I, I just loved watching his whole process. I have worked with a lot of other men, including my dad, through prostate cancer who chose to do different forms of radiation. And then that's a whole nother type of care where you're more making sure those medications are getting out of someone's body, let them do what they need to do. It's a choice that was made. Everybody gets to choose what they want. So I'm not saying radiation is a bad choice at all. I think that everybody gets to be in control of, of what's the best direction for them. And then you still have to like not get prostate cancer again. <laughs> There's still going to be that accountability, not just, okay, it's gone. I can go back to doing whatever I want, eating mass amounts of beef every day, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> With the French fries, you know what I mean? Like it's pretty major. So I just want to also say, not only did I learn from him just what it is to not give up on your body's ability to change and what it takes to do it on your own. But I've also learned through a lot of other men just like, how do I help somebody who is choosing radiation? And how do we make sure we let that radiation do its thing and do its job? And then we got to get all that residue out. So then there's liver cleanse again, that's going to be needed there. It's really exciting to know that my sacred elder is not battling with that and handled it. And it shows it's never too late. You know, like my dad was like, well, this could take me. I'm 84. He's like, this could take me and I've had a great life, but my goal is to live to hundred. So I'm just going to like watch what I'm doing. And he was like, set me up with this diet. Tell me what to eat and not eat. Tell me what to take. And that's a really cool thing. I'm also going to have a great little story that's going to be coming out this month that's prior to, it's, it's a little diagnostic story that will be playing out. So please be looking for that. And it was about me learning Ayurveda in my early, early days and how I saw the signs with my dad and then started asking the questions about urine and asking the questions about pain and, and started having this very personal dialogue with my father. But Ayurveda gave me all these tools to be able to see what is presenting because our bodies are smart and they map. We can map our bodies. We can connect the dots and it does speak to us. So prostate is on the chin, center of the chin. 
And that'll be coming up later, but that's just something if you're out there saying, boy, this is a really cool conversation. You might want to look at your chin as a man and just how has it changed over time and what kind of care can that show you that you need in your prostate? Because that's where the nerve ending is. So our face is an entire map of all of our nerve endings. And uh, we can read a lot there. Just like we have nerve meridians all through our body, we have them in our hands, our feet, and our face. And we also have a lot of nerve endings on the tongue. That's why when somebody does a tongue assessment with me, which is kind of fun, you get to take pictures of your tongue and send them to me. And then I'm just like, I don't know who you are, but let me tell you what I see. And it's quite interesting what can get figured out just from reading the tongue and, and what it has to say, because our nerves talk, our nerve endings talk for us and tell us what we need to know. So tracking the chin is a big preventive care piece too, that I just don't think is really being discussed a lot. As I was doing all my men's health and prepping for what I want to say this month, I just realized how many men I have seen in my career. And I feel very lucky because people always are like, oh, you're so women's health. You know, I have the breast check areola at the Women's Herbal Symposium. And, you know, I'm all about uterine placement and all these things, female. But it's not really what I want to be known for. I'm more like everybody from every walk of life. <laughs> and I'm really an advocate for men a lot, whether it be like the client who comes and sees me is going to be more usually a woman. And then all of a sudden I find out, oh, they have a male person in their life. And then I'm like, you know, I see men too. This just happened yesterday. I saw a new client and I was like, you know, I see men too. And a lot of times I hear, oh, I don't know if he'd go for this. I'm not sure. And I'm always like, you'd be surprised. I have some really deep, beautiful conversations and have the same professionalism that is still heart related. Men are humans. Everybody wants a little bit of advice and some care and some more education about how their body works. So I think that often we've got this concept that men don't want to take care of themselves or they're not emotionally invested enough to do so. And I just don't agree <laughs> because it's not what I see. I'm at about right now, I'd say I'm at a good 35, 65, 35% men, 65 women. And I've had to work that edge for years. I've gone down to where I'm like, wait a minute, I'm seeing like one man per 20 women. And then I'm kind of like, no, no, no. I got to get more male oriented again. I got to get them in the door. Plus they love body work. It's an interesting thing to see how much I've had to actually stay in that advocacy for men, being my clients, being able to come and get care. And it doesn't have to be a big, huge process. It just has to be like, how invested are you in staying on the planet? <laughs> And men have a lot of trauma too. So I think we forget like what is stored in the prostate is definitely, it's, it's a gland, it's hormonal. Hormones are, are, are released or stunted, hypo stunted, hyper excess releasing. All of these are, are from our experiences. So I think the other thing that's not really getting discussed is trauma, men in trauma 
and just being able to give them an avenue to say, you know, what's happened to you that was inappropriate in your life and what traumatized you as a child and how did that feel and how much do you think that might be related to whatever's going on in your health. And I find that there needs to be a lot more room for this discussion around inappropriate abuse that has happened for pretty much everybody. And that's a sad truth, but it is a truth. And it's not just female related, even though I'm a female and I'm an advocate for a female when I'm talking to a female, but I love being an advocate for male identified when somebody is still had a trauma that's happened to them. And again, where do they go to talk about that? And, you know, hopefully therapy, but where do they get to just really have a conversation and then unwind that in their body and get validated that like that wasn't okay. And it really did affect them. And then those things get stored in our glands with our hormones. That's where all of our experiences, we relate them to our hormonal body. Special thanks for the music and talents of Gents Jarvie. You can hear him on Spotify or on his website, J-E-N-S-J-A-R-V-I-E and theheartwideopen.com. Are there any questions out there, Andrea? Not yet, but while you were talking about advocating and inviting more men and male bodies to receive self-care, it reminded me of when you started doing men's clinic at the old center. And I was curious, did you ever hear from any of your clients with male bodies about maybe what had kept them from coming into clinic or what makes it hard for them to embrace uh, treatment and self-care and advocating for themselves in that way? Well, I've heard many things. I'm going to just tell you the one I hear the most is going to maybe surprise you. And clinic was pretty inexpensive. A whole hour with a team of people with hands-on and a packet to go home for 150 bucks. That was a good price for what you were really getting, you know, but money. So I did notice that I had more men come to donation clinic just easily, like didn't even have to work it. And I would have tons of men come and it was because it was by donation. So there is something, what is this socially going on or within the makeup socially with male bodies that is like, they don't want to spend money to have to take care of themselves. So that was, I can't even describe how many, because lots of men came through the Deanna Center. I had no idea that bathhouse was going to be the game changer. But then I think about like, ah, camaraderie in the steam room has been happening forever with men as a community. And I just never thought of that. And the bathhouse was Scott's dream. And it was Scott's wanting of that bathhouse. I kept saying, oh, it'd be amazing of a bathhouse. And so I just find that interesting that it was Scott who, as a man, who kind of kept that alive and really made it happen. But that really shifted things. And they liked that it was 
30 bucks and they could go in there and just take care of themselves and get it done. But as soon as I'd be like, oh, you should come to clinic and there's some hands-on and you're talking about having hip pain and I can teach you things about your reproductive or whatever you want to talk about. And they'd be like, how much is it? Always. And I'm like, 150, you know, it's an hour and you got a whole team and you get a handout. And they're kind of like, so I do notice that there is something there that is very, very real. (laughs) And then the other one is kind of like, eh, I don't really want, there's a large group of men who really don't like massage and and they're just kind of like, I don't really want someone touching me, uh, you know, and it's complicated. Touch is complicated for men because we have inappropriate behavior that happens and there's the me too movement and there's all kinds of things that are just the real true nature of humans interacting and sometimes that's very dysfunctional and imbalanced and so the I noticed there's a fair amount of men who are just afraid to get touched or what are they going to say? Like, I've got pain down on my groin. Can you massage me there? And then somebody's like, that's inappropriate. But if a woman comes in and says, I got pain in my groin. Could you massage me there? People are like, sure. I'm comfortable with that. No problem. And that was a huge part of me getting the, the men's clinic started was I was kind of like, and you know, you know, Andrea, you were there every time we did our ohms in the morning in our circle. What did I say every single time at men's clinic? Men are humans too. We are treating these humans today as humans. So I almost had to make sure there were people, even students coming into work. I had to make sure that we were setting a respectable container instead of looking at this as a man and they're going to want me to say this and they're not going to want me to do emotional process. So I can't go emotional with them and I'm going to have to have good boundaries. And, and those are all inappropriate because you don't know if that's true to that human. And that's not respecting a human and giving a human a chance to just need help and get help. So that was the complicated part of that. And I think that's a whole nother reason why it was hard for men to just come in and say, plus if they're like, can you teach me about my prostate? Honestly, most practitioners don't even know about it. They don't know what to say and they don't know how to take care of it. So if these are taboo conversations and then we treat them in some kind of normal category that is not even to me appropriate. And we say they're not emotionally invested or they don't want to talk about emotions. How are we helping these humans? And so that was a whole container I had to set every single time we came back to men's clinic, not to mention men's clinic was the hardest clinic for us to get any of my students to come and work. Everybody wanted the women's clinic everybody, including my male and my female students. Everyone was comfortable with women. Oh, we get to process. It's so sweet. And it was hard to fill men's clinic. We were often short on staff, on supporters, because people were uncovered. And I'd say like in class, I'd be like, what stops you from coming to men's clinic? And they're like, I'm just not comfortable with men. I'm not, I don't know their bodies. I don't know how to touch them. I'm like, but that's why you come to clinic. 
You come to clinics so you learn, you get to learn from me that you get to touch them in the same respectable way and honorable therapeutic way as you would touch a woman. It's the same if you treat it and treat them as a community the same. And then we had men weeping in there like crazy, men crying and just like, and even sometimes being like, is there something you wanna talk about that's coming up with your tears? And this is what happens so often. They're on the table, I'm checking their chest, you know, I'm checking for their lymph and cause men get breast cancer too. I may be looking at hips and stretching the hips or working on the psoas and the core abdomen. And they would be emotional and give them a moment to emote. And I'd be like, is there something you want to process with us or anything? What's coming up? And they're like, there's nowhere like this. I can't believe I'm getting love and I'm getting attention and I'm getting care and I'm not used to it. And it's really emotional to just have a group of people holding me and taking care of me and listening to me. And letting me just really be the truth of who I am. And I got to say, I miss those. I miss those clinics so much. I'll figure out how to get back to all that. Don't worry about it, everybody. I do miss that so much. Teaching my students how to touch and love and care for a male body. And teaching my students how to love and touch and care for the trans community and how to get women more comfortable with their breasts and their bodies. And just, wow, the stuff that got done in that space. Woo, how powerful. And things are still happening. There's a whole lot of students out there who are practicing and doing this work every day, just like me. It's just all spread out now and you gotta find your person. But um, yeah, that was really special. And I just had to really sit with that worth because it was just about money and it was just interesting. And I'd even have men who would come to clinic every month and they'd be like, man, this is costing a lot. And I'm thinking, really? How much does dinner cost in Sonoma County? Like, But it just shows where the obstacles are for men in their bodies around health. Finances is a big obstacle. They would drop that amount for their partner, like a gift for their partner. But oh, to yeah. contemplate doing it for themselves was no, no, I'm not worth that. That's right. Yeah, they'd kick down way more than that for a partner or a gift. And then it'd be like, well, what about you? Oh, no, 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 no. But I think we were really getting somewhere because those clinics by the last couple of years of the Diana Center, those clinics were just as full as the women's clinics. And I was getting a lot of students being like, man, where else am I gonna be able to respectfully and learn how to be with a male oriented body? So that was powerful, very, very powerful. And I think you're gonna have an opportunity to teach new practitioners that kind of care when you start up clinical again next year. Um, I think that's going to be a perfect opportunity for humans of all kinds to learn how to care for other humans, no matter what that human's body is like. That's right. Yes. I'm going back to in-person classes, starting with my clinical 
So starts in March and it's seven weekends, seven sacred weekends from March to May. So it's a little concentrate three-day weekends, twice a month. So if you can make that happen in your schedule, we have payment plans and but I'm just so excited. I mean, that's where we do all the diagnostics and the learning of pulse and touching each other and getting to know all kinds of bodies through each other in the class. And I really hope I get more than a unfortunate thing we have called the token male, which is so sad. I, I'm sad about even that kind of languaging. And it happens when there's like one guy in the class and there's 25 women and then they become the like special token male. And it's kind of like, oh, I just wish it was actually a 50-50. Cause I think men can make great practitioners and be good health detectives for themselves just as well as women can. And I'm always wanting more people who are trans in my classes too, but that's just because I'm so into diversity and seeing people shine in their truth. And that's a really, I'm just so proud of people who make that decision because that is not an easy path. And it's, it's a lot of truth to be held. And I really respect that. But I would like to see more trans people becoming practitioners and having you know, practitioners within that community that is certainly growing and for good reason. That's been a lot, that's been sitting un resolved for a long time. And we have a different freedom now that makes me very, very happy. Come on down and take my class. I hope you do. And I also invite, if you want to know more about your body and you want to know more about like foundations, like hormones and the value of rest, or like, what is it to be truly hydrated? Or like, what are the foundations of food and eating and why is breath so important? That is my online course called My Body, which actually starts in January. But you would want to consider that. And it's just a little three hour on a Saturday for seven Saturdays in a row. I love doing things in sevens. So I've got that really great class online. And then I've got clinical starting in March if you want to be in person with me. But I'm excited. I'm also teaching my clinical class in Portugal next September. If you would like to take six weeks off of your schedule, and if you would rather study with me in the middle of Portugal at a retreat center, feel free to save up your time and your energy. And that'll be September, October next year. But I am taking it over into Europe and um, I want to respect and honor the people over in Europe that are following me and connecting with me and taking my classes online. And I thought I would make myself available in person so we get more people over there using these diagnostics and touch and just continuing to spread the, the wealth of knowledge beyond just here. So I'm teaching it twice, once in Sonoma County in March, and then again in Portugal later in the year. If you were moved by this episode and the content we bring you, please consider subscribing or making a donation. Visit our podcast page at anchor.fm slash Essentials and click on the support button to make your one-time or monthly contribution. With your support, we can continue to bring this enriching wisdom to you.
uh, looks like we are rounding out the hour. I also wanted to let everybody know that this month we have a sale going on with the best products for reducing inflammation. Those are cooling products. So check it out on our website. And we're going to be releasing information about male-bodied prostate health on our podcast. So check that out. That is wherever you listen for free, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So check that out, listen, subscribe. And then of course, we are here on YouTube live on Thursday mornings, every other Thursday morning. So we'll be back in two weeks. So be sure if you liked what you saw to subscribe and tap that notification bell so that you know when Deanna is coming back. Otherwise, we have such amazing information on our Instagram feed and our Facebook feed. So please be sure to follow us there. There's recipes, there's advice, there's all kinds of really cool stuff. So that's where it's happening. Uh, any last words for us, Deanna? Well, enema. <laughs> you know, I love just saying that all the time. <laughs> A whole nother way that you can help take the pressure off your prostate is by doing an enema because you are soaking the pan. I have step-by-step -step instructions you can get. I have a really amazing stainless steel enema buckets, um, but they do go in through the prostate and then you are clearing out. So you are keeping yourself in prostate uh, health and cleaning your plumbing at the same time. So just got to give a shout out for enemas having dual purposes for men specifically. Yeah, thank you all for joining me. This is My Body, a conversation situated at the intersection of elemental science, self-care, ancient arts and consent. Deanna Batdorf is your guide.